heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. I'm Richard Matthews, and you can see um, I'm back in my little studio from where we were the last couple of episodes. Um, I am here on the line with Eric G. Reed. Eric, are you there? I am here. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Glad to have you here, Eric. Let me do a quick introduction. We'll get right to it. So um, you are a certified coach, professional speaker, and trainer. You do keynote speeches, leadership training, professional coaching to individuals and organizations globally. Um, includes leveraging both your management experience in corporate America and your entrepreneurial experience to transform organizations and create a culture of leadership and improve employee engagement. Sounds like a lot of fun. So my first question <laughs> sounds is, like a lot of words. <laughs> it does. It does sound like a lot of work. But if you like, you know, if you like what you're doing, it's fun too. Um, what is it that you're known for now? Why do people come to you? Why do they hire you to uh, to help them? So I think you know, and in this space, there are so many business coaches, mindset coaches, confidence coaches, leadership coaches, and I think my approach is much more of if you've been successful in one area then we need to learn to transfer that success into other areas. Whether it was in business, how are we doing in our finances, our fitness, our faith, our family, or vice versa. So often we get driven into one area really super strong and the rest of our life falls apart. And so through accountability and mindset and you know, just a variety of coaching tools that I have, it's more about living a life of success instead of being successful in one area. So for the clients that you work with, are you generally working one-on-one -on -one with clients or are you working one-to-many with clients or are you doing stage stuff? What's your primary uh, mode of operation, I guess, with, uh, with the people you work, work with? It's interesting because often I'll start one-on-one -on -one with somebody, which is what I really love. I think there's something special about that coaching space. But then because of the person, they'll be like, I need to introduce you to my team. I need you to come into our office. I need, I need you in other areas because now that my awareness has grown, I see how our team isn't working cohesively or how our company is stuck in a rut and things like that. So kind of blends across both. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk a little bit about your origin story, right? Every hero has one. It's where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers you could use to help other people where you started to sort of develop and discover your own entrepreneurial gift. How did that story come, come about? Oh, you know, I am a superhero freak. Um, my son and I share this passion. It's like, I'm so grateful he inherited it because he'll say like, who do you think is better, Wolverine or Aquaman? And like, we can go through the whole list. 
So I have rewritten my origin story a few thousand times. He actually thinks I'm a retired superhero at this point, which is so cool. That's but awesome. How I, old is he? He's 10. And okay, anytime he's going to turn 10 in a couple of days. There you go. And anytime he doubts my superhero power, I just give him that Vulcan death grip. And he's like, okay, okay, you are a superhero. You just had to retire to raise kids. And so I just love <laughs> that storyline in my life. I think as an entrepreneur, it's sort of, I remember being, I was working in corporate America. I, I was doing the thing that everybody did. And I remember being brought into my boss's office. And it was something to the effect of, you're my most difficult employee. And I was like, oh, well, that, that sounds really promising. Am I going to have a job by the end of the day? And she had said, I know that you can move the room in whatever direction you want. And so I always have to get you on board first before I try and bring in the others. And I was like, this makes no sense to me. But what I slowly started to realize was that sort of superhero gift of mind control or influence or being able to, you know, extrude those pheromones that change the temperature of the room because of my passion for things. If the passion level is high, I can pull people towards it. And if my passion level is against it, I can pull people away from it. And sometimes almost inadvertently, like I'm not always aware of it. That makes a lot of sense. So you're, you started in corporate America with the realization like your, your boss actually made you aware of your ability to influence other people. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, I thought I was going to be the next Aquaman. I mean, I used to go swimming in that style, but it turned out, I guess, you know, it's the superhero influencer or catalyst. Um, that ability to go in and generate the energy needed to shift the direction of an individual or a team or a project. Yeah, that makes a, makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. I've never, never had anyone on who is like their boss is the one who introduced them to their, uh, their superpower, or at least made them aware of it. That's really cool. So um, since we were just sort of talking about your superpower as the thing that you're that sort of like tied into your, uh, your origin story, what would you say your superpower actually is if you could name it? Like if you could say, this is the thing that I actually do that really helps my clients. Wow. Um, more and more, I think it is my intuitiveness. I will get off a company or with a client and they'll be like, it's like you read my mind. I mean, the things that you were saying is what I've been thinking. I've just never heard it before. And when I'm able to bring that out, when I'm able to clarify their vision, their goals, their belief systems or what's blocking them, suddenly it's out on the table for both of us to start looking at, and then we can decide what we want to do with it and what direction we want to take. And then that's sort of where that influencer comes in is that because I can get excited about it for them, then they start to borrow that belief system. They start to be like, you really think I could write a book? You really think I could, you know, open my own company? You think I could really leave my job? And so I use that energy to sort of get them believing, even though they may not, and then move them into action. Yeah, makes a lot of uh, makes a lot of sense when you uh, when you think about it like that. My uh, my wife says I have that ability. Like I can read her read her thoughts across her head like this. She's got a billboard on it. She hates it. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes when I'm on a call with a client, they'll just be rambling on for about 20 minutes and then I'll say something like, what I hear you saying is, or 
well, I think you're trying to tell me this. And it goes dead silence. And I'm like, uh-oh, did we lose the connection? They're like, I've never thought of it that way. And I'm like, okay, uh, we got there. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting, interesting superpower. And I'm, I'm curious your thought, like, how do you, how do you think that comes about? Because I know there's, there's a lot of people that have that gift. Um, or it, I guess the, the question is, do you think it's a gift or do you think it's something you've trained? I think it's a, I don't think it's something like, you know, like gills or, you know, my ability to shoot fire from my eyes, kind of like a DNA gift. But I think part of it was the culture and the community and the life that I grew up in. I had to become very in tune and very intuitive about what was happening around me. Um, and through that, I think I learned to observe things maybe at a higher peak. And then once I realized the advantage of learning to observe other people, learning to separate my own needs and wants out of the conversation and go completely into what they're saying and look for the words in between the spaces, it became at a higher level. So I think we all basically have it, but often we're too consumed with ourselves and our own fears and our own doubts. And what if I say this and what are they gonna think? And oh yeah, I'm like, people will try and come up with the answer before I finish the statement. And if you can suspend all that long enough to really listen, to really listen to what people are saying, you can hear so much more in the conversation. Yeah, so they say that uh, a lot of people, most people, in fact, they listen to reply instead of listening to understand. Yeah, and I always approach a conversation, especially with my clients on the like my head will be down, my eyes will be closed. And I'm thinking, help me understand, help me understand what it is you're saying. And I really have to like be totally tuned into their voice. Um, and in part, because a lot of times I won't use a visual like Skype or like Zoom, that I'm really listening to the words that they choose. And somebody will choose a word and they'll think it's random, but it's like, no, your brain is smart enough to be picked between one of two words and it chose that word for a reason. Let's go look at that because that's an interesting word. That's an interesting sentence structure, an interesting perception. Let's get in there and look at it. Yeah, and when you're, when you're listening to understand, um, it's one of the things that's always fascinated me about, uh, um, about persuasive psychology and, uh, you know, copywriting and direct response marketing and any of this kind of stuff is that if you choose your words properly, you can change people's lives, right? Exactly. Change the actions that they take. And from a life coach perspective or a business coach, from an entrepreneurial coach, listening to understand is that first step, right? It's that, because uh, um, if you understand what they're saying, then you can use the words that are going to help get them to change their actions and do things differently. Yeah, I remember a story I had, uh, I had a client once and he was just, you know, sometimes you just let them free flow. And he said, well, you know, I just can't be happy until my dad is and I don't know when that's going to be. So I think I just need to, and he kept on going. I was like, like, what do you mean your dad's not happy? So therefore you can't be happy. Is that the cycle of sabotage that I'm seeing played out here is you don't want to rise above your dad's current happiness quota. And as we started going, he's like, and I said, do you know if your dad's happy? And he's like, well, I assume he can't based on blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait a minute. 
you're basing your entire life and your success based on the assumption that your dad's not happy. What would change if you went and sat down and talked to him about his happiness quota, about his satisfaction with life? A couple of weeks later, he comes back. I've had that conversation. My dad's really happy. He's comfortable. Like he's like good with his life. He's proud of his life. And I was like, so what does that mean for you? And he's like, well, I guess I can go on and do my thing now. And that cycle of self-sabotage was able to end simply because I was listening. And he said, well, until my dad is, I can't. I'm like, what do you mean until? Like that until. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, that, that self-sabotage is actually a really good segue into my next question, which is about your own personal fatal flaw, right? Superman has his kryptonite. Um, you know, every superhero has their, uh, has their flaw. And I'm curious, what do you think if you could name one of the things that has held you back from growing your own company um, that you've had to work on? And more importantly, how have you worked on it so other people who might suffer from something similar can fix that in their own business? Um, I think sometimes it's that Magneto thing. I know it all. I never get the credit that I deserve. So therefore, I'm going to go out and do it all on my own, do it on my own, do it on my own. When if it, and I assume that I can see and know everything, like I see the whole picture, um, that often I'll forget to stop and check in with people. Like I'm really good at getting an idea and going and forgetting to turn around and say, how's everybody else feel about this? Are we in the right direction? Like I may not change my direction, but I forgot to get you guys on board because I can influence you at almost, you know, and I don't mean to sound egotistical, but because I know I can get your buy-in really quick, sometimes I don't dig enough to say, was that a real buy-in or was that just the energy of the moment? Was that just you being excited because I was excited and that was the energy or did you really want to do this? Yeah, I have uh, decided that that is, I don't, I don't have a name for that, but it's one of the things that I realized early on in my life, I was pretty good at the whole persuasion thing. And, you know, my wife and I've been married like 10 years now. And I remember telling her specifically, I was like, I made a conscious effort to not be persuasive because I wanted you to actually like me, not like me because I persuaded you to like me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's like that kind of thing. Like you have to get, I want you to buy in because you're actually, you actually want to do this thing and go this direction. Not because I used my, my powers of persuasion upon you. It's, I mean, it's kind of like that bewitched episode. Did he fall in love with you because there was a spell? And when did the spell go off? And are you still in love with mm-hmm. or without the spell? And yeah, all that lingering effect. It's interesting because when, when you understand influence, and as John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. When you're able to understand that with that influence comes the responsibility of leadership Mm -hmm. and it almost becomes like you don't want to let it out of the box because it carries so much responsibility that if I use my influence and direct you on a certain path am I failing to teach you how to fish and instead giving you the fish am I failing to let you go through those moments where you have to grow and go through pause and you know get knocked down and get picked up because I'm, I'm like, sometimes you have to like pull it back and go, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. What should we do? What do you think is best? How would you perceive? Yeah. Um, I like to say that uh, influence or persuasion is a neutral tool, right? And when you use it for the good of 
those who are following you, we call that leadership. And when you use it for your own good, we call that manipulation. Exactly. So you have to take a moment and think to yourself, have I manipulated this group or am I leading this group? And that's where that difference is, is is the buy-in, is this the, the, what is best for them and do they know it? Well, isn't that the sort of the paradox of a superhero is do I become a superhero or a supervillain? Do I use my powers for good or do I use my powers for evil? And often there's that pivotal moment in each of the, the villain slash superhero story where they make that decision. Either they're wronged or they're able to do something right in the world that feeds them and feeds their soul and encourages them to keep going down that path of service to good or I've been harmed, I've been you know, taken advantage of, I've been bullied, I've been beaten. So therefore, I'm going to use what I have to seek revenge, to seek my own power, my own selfish needs. Yeah, and then you become the enemy. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about your common enemy, right? So I like to think of it like this, right? So superheroes, they all have their, their supervillains that they fight. And um, a common enemy is something that you have to, you come up against regularly with your clients, right? That you wish, if you just had a magic wand, you could wave and remove that, you know, thinking <laughs> pattern or mindset or something, you know, is holding them back and you could just 10x the results of you could just change this thing. What would that be? Can you name it? Oh, definitely. It's the woolly worthiness. It's that idea that I'm not woolly, like, or worthy. Like everybody can convince themselves in their mindset, in their headspace, in their daily affirmations of like, I'm great, I'm going to succeed, I'm a millionaire, I'm a top producer. And this thing down inside is going, you're not worthy of any of that. You know where you grew up? You know who you are? You know who you sleep with? You, if they knew who you were, you're not worthy of all of that. And so they get caught up in this cycle of like trying to convince like their mindset. And they go to mindset coaches and confidence coaches and all of this mindset work. And then they go into this 30-day challenge, habit, discipline, busted or die kind of thing. And all the while inside, they keep saying, you know, I'm really not worthy. So it's probably not going to turn out. And so I, in, worthiness is not, I can't give that to a client. Like, mm -hmm. I can't tell you you're worthy. It's something that you have to internalize. You have to swallow the blue pill and finally say, yes, I believe I'm worthy. And so often I'll just, I'll meet client after client and team after team that starts to grow a level of success, have certain levels of achievement. And then they just, you see the sabotage thing starting to creep up or the infighting or the, the things that, and I'm like, why are we throwing away? Uh, you still don't believe you're worthy. And that's kind of the whole book of psycho-cybernetics in a way too. Yeah, it's that, uh, that 18 inch journey from your head to your heart, right? Yes. That changes everything. And, and it's easy for me to sell you on the mindset thing, or it's easy for me to sell and coach you on the 30-day habit. The real work and that intuitive listening, that putting my head down and hearing the things that you're not saying is where that, that worthy thing hides that I've got to unpack and discover like, okay, where did you, where did you decide this? Because as soon as I can figure out where you decided it, or what made you believe it, then we can root it out, throw it on the table, hack it up, get rid of it once and for all, and then work on the other elements.
Yeah, and then work on actually uh, driving the ship properly, right, without the uh, yeah. baggage holding you down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other side of your common enemy is the, uh, the driving force, right? So the common enemy is what you fight against. The driving force is what you fight for, right? Spider-Man fights to save New York, or Batman fights to save Gotham, or Google fights to index all the world's information. What is it that you fight for with your clients and your business? I would say I could easily say the opposite of knowing that they're worthy. But as soon as, until they can take that, I sort of hope, hang on to hope that imagine the possibility, just, just for like, just for a second, just like for a minute second, imagine the possibility if you did this, thought this, acted this way, went this direction, how different would your life be? So that ability for somebody to imagine a possibility or to hold on to hope or hang on to a little bit of faith that maybe this time could be different. That's that spark. My, one of my favorite stories or movies is the never ending story like hands down the best movie ever made on the planet i know people are going to write you and say i was wrong but that's your email not mine where at the very end he's holding that little sliver that little tiny sliver and she's like you can save us sebastian just begin to imagine and the way the whole world is recreated from that little sliver that's kind of the way I sometimes have to start with coaching. It's like that little minute piece and then watching it explode. Yeah. So, so you fight, you fight for a vision of the future, which is interesting because one of the things that, uh, that just hearing some of your background talk, right. Um, you believe we have a spark of divinity oh. and that spark of divinity is um, it's captured in our creativity and you get you get there when you when you have that vision for the future right when you can see the possibilities that are laid out before you when you when you understand the, the power that you have right what that sliver is capable of becoming very much and it and always amazes me like i'll be on a call and somebody's like well you just don't understand my story's different like i don't know how many times i've heard the i'm the exception to the universe thing and i'm like you know, it takes more faith to believe you're the exception to the universe than it would be for you to believe in my belief system that you're worthy of everything else that the universe has provided to everybody else. But you believe that you're different than anything else created by God is a pretty big belief. Yeah, you're the one thing in the entire, like from tree to bird to, you know, Steve Jobs, you're the one exception in the universe. That's a pretty big leap of faith versus me telling you that, look, maybe you're worthy of having a good day. Let's just try. God just didn't like you. Have you ever yeah. seen that meme? There, there, it just cracks me up every time I see it. There is a, uh, it's a lightning storm striking the ocean and there's like six lightning strikes hitting the water. And the, the meme says, F these six fish in particular. <laughs> it cracks me up but it's like that kind of thought it's like they're they're thinking they're like they're i'm just the, the one fish in the ocean that the lightning decided to strike yes yeah and it and it, and it does sort of, i mean when you think about like well you don't understand nobody you know and i'm just like i understand how you feel that but if you could pull back and even like in a most abstract sense as a scientist think of the odds of you being the one thing in the entire 
entire planet that does not grow and produce fruit, then your odds are pretty big. Like you should be buying lottery tickets every day if you're striking those kind of odds. Like you're, you're absolutely capable of, uh, of going out and growing and creating and doing things because yeah. you have that spark of divinity. And it's that, it's that, you know, they just have to believe it. They have to move it from their head to their heart. And that's what I mean. So often we'll tell ourselves that, like we'll believe in our minds. Yeah. You know, I'm a killer machine. I'm number. And we get in that, that affirmation mindset rant and we go and get our mind sh set shifted. And then down there, like I said, we're still like that little wooly worthy monster is like, no, you're not, you're not. As soon as they find out your truth. And that's the hard thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting too, because like, I would imagine most of the things that people are holding in there, thinking themselves, I'm the only one who's ever thought this thought or done this thing. Like if they actually like, if everyone talked about those things and realized we're all that way. We're all fallen. We all have, have our things that we've, uh, um, you know, we wish we hadn't done. It's, it's interesting because I do a thing called Fun Friend Friday where I bring in a guest onto my live cast um, and they'll be telling their story. And you can just watch people like, oh my gosh, I was 13 when that happened or that happened to me. And it's like... Yeah, your story, I get it. You were wearing a different outfit. You lived in a different town. And maybe you were a year younger or a year older. But your story, though, it's unique. In one perspective, you're not the only person that's had to go through that particular storm or live through that experience. How you've processed it, how you perceived it, and how you've utilized it, that's what's unique. But that one little event, the events are common. It's how we manage those events and how we move through those events that make it unique. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about tools, right? Like the tools you might use to uh, manage those kind of events. Um, maybe you have a, a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer. Maybe you just really love how Evernote helps you organize your thoughts when you work with your clients. What are some of the tools you use either you know, to work with your clients um, or like physical tools, you know, to schedule your life, your business that make your, make your business what it is. So one, you forgot Captain America's shield. <sighs> I should put that in there. That's a good idea. Because <laughs> um, we all do walk around with shields sometimes. Um, I, so I'm a, for is sort of spiritual, soft California, Baja, high Hawaii. I'm also very disciplined and consistent. And so I use a tool called Trello for myself and a lot of times for my clients that really organizes our life. Like, what are my goals? What are my 30 day goals? What are my 90 day goals? I don't, when I say I don't believe in year and five year goals, I think those are more in the vision mission side than by five years, I want to be at this position. You know, somebody will say, by five years, I want to have a million dollars in the bank. And I'll say, so if you win the lottery tomorrow and it's a $10 million winning, does that mean you have to spend all nine millions by the end of year five? And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, so let's not like, let's just work on short term. So with Trello, we, we do a lot of goal planning. We have a daily gratitude journal so that we can reflect on the good things and the positive things that I use to start turning people like, you know what? 
Because so often they'll say, you know, for the last seven days, this has happened. I'm like, really, is that what your, your journal reflects? Or is that all you're remembering? And so having a place where they can record the good things and then having a place where they can be held accountable for setting a goal and achieving a goal. And so I like that practical piece of it because sometimes we lie to ourselves, but when we have it physically in front of us, those lies begin to fade. And so I use practical tools, but I also have learned through years and years of doing this, just having a list of questions now in my head that when I, and the one question, the most complicated question is I'll often do, really? With a very large question mark. And I'm not afraid to say it like four times in a row. And anybody that's been my client for a while will be like, okay, I know you're not going to let me go with just one. Because often that really is like, come on, you know, there's more. Finish the sentence. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. The uh, two things that I, I want to pull out of that, one of them is the difference between short term and long term goals. And I've, I've noticed this as a recurring pattern with people who are very successful is when it comes to long term stuff, they have like, a destination like I like to think of it like you're in California and LA and you want to get to New York like New York is the destination I want to get there um, but the mistake people make with their long-term goals is they try to draw a line from California all the way to New York and they're like this is the path I'm going to take all the way to get there and like getting from California to New York I mean you could be going through Japan and around the other side of the planet to get there. <laughs> and, and, and exactly. Um, and so I'll often ask my um, clients like, so why New York? Well, yeah. because I really love the energy and the vibrancy of the city. Why do you like that? What is it about that that's attracting you? And as we do the really, 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 what I might hear is I've always wanted to pursue acting or vocal in this analogy of getting to New York. I've always wanted to know what it felt like to stand on a stage. Oh, so wait a minute. Is that something that needs to wait until New York? Or is that something you could start to experience in the next 30 days? Yeah, well, I could like you could, 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 you, could you get to your local, uh, you know, your local, I don't know what you call it, Kiwanis or, you know, leadership event and get, you know, invited on stage. <laughs> or theater at your kids' plays or, you know, like, what is the smallest yeah. piece of that, that New York dream that you could begin living now? And if you got really good at it, wouldn't that prepare you for five years from now when you move to New York to be great? Yeah. But so often or, people will think, I've got all of this time to get great, so there's no effort needed today. Yeah. And then the other thing that happens is when you actually start on a journey, you you discover what the the why all those things we just talking about the why behind New York. Like when mm -hmm. you actually start moving and doing things, you might get on the road and find out I really didn't want to get to New York, right? It was like it was actually it was Chicago. Well, and it's <laughs> and, and it's so true because and that's where I see people that don't invest in coaching, and it's not a plug for me, is they don't get asked that fourth and fifth and sixth layer question, and so they think. I just got to get to New York and it'll all be fine. I'm like, well, what is it about New York that excites you? Well, I just like the city. 
And some people are like, great, we should make a plan to start moving to New York. And they like build a five-year life around moving to New York and they show up in New York and it's like, this isn't right. And I'm I like, don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> you said you wanted to get to New York. Now suddenly you're complaining that you don't get to be in theater. It's like, or singing on Broadway or playing in a, you know, the symphony. It's like, okay, maybe we should have talked about that five yeah, years and, ago. And so the, uh, the difference there is learning how to set short-term goals that are easy to take action on because when you're in motion, it's easy to drive, it's easy to drive and move a ship that's in motion much more than it is to get it started. Um, and I've noticed that's a success, like it, it's a common theme in successful relationships is in people who are successful is that the, uh, the, the, they realize how important the daily, you know, weekly, monthly, short-term sprints to get in action and move are and realize that, you know, long-term stuff, it's good to have an idea of where you're going, right? Like to know the general direction you want to be heading, um, but the freedom to move and change and adapt as, you're, as you go. And right? to take advantage of opportunities because somebody may walk up and see you at that children's theater and say, you're the exact person I've been looking for to step into this role on Off-Broadway, could you be there next week? Yeah. Um, but you, and then at the same time, you may realize, wait, this isn't what I thought it was gonna feel like, be like. I'm so glad that I experienced it here on level one instead of waiting till I got to level 100 and had more to lose, more to gain, more adjustments to make. So yeah, and so when I use like the Trello board, that's often like, clients will come and say, we're only going to look at 90 days out. I'm like, your life is going to be so different in 90 days. It would be foolish of us to even try and think of what it's going to look like at the end of the year. Now we can talk about what it might feel like or what experiences you'll be able to have because of the work, but to literally say, I want to be in this like rock solid position. That's kind of foolish. Yeah, one of the my my favorite things. I've got four kids, and they're all young. And Bless you. <laughs> 90, 90 days is such a huge amount of time when you have kids, right? Because like you you look back ninety days ago, and like everything was different about your family dynamic because they've grown and changed so much. Like we got a newborn, right? Oh. She's just turned six months old, and it's like you're like our world was completely different ninety days ago. Well, <laughs> different uh, struggles and different things, and like it's. It, I don't know, it's just something for me, it's keeping that in mind all the time, how, how quick everything changes. And like, I can't even plan 90 days out because, you know, like just as a, for instance, in your life, if you've ever had a six-year-old who's got a birthday party coming up in 90 days, you can't plan the birthday party 90 days in advance because what they are into and what they want to do is going to change completely. <laughs> I, you, you speak like my dad, like me. Because it's like, okay, he's really loving Ninja Turtles. So let's go on Amazon and buy like all the Ninja Turtle party decorations. And then yeah. the night before his birthday, he's like, can I have a Power Ranger cake? And I want a Power Ranger outfit and I want a Power Patrol. And you're like, oh my gosh. No, you're going to like turtles until tomorrow. <laughs> my like, son. You have to like teenage Ninja Turtles until tomorrow. You can, can't change what you like. Oh, so true. We have been through, oh my gosh, Chima and Star Wars and superheroes. And I mean, it has gone the gamut and, I, and, and Pokemon cards. 
And I'm the guy that like dives full in. So it's like, now we have all 50,000 Pokemon cards. And the next day he's like, yeah, I'm bored with it. And I think the same is true often for us as adults. We're like, this is my passion. This is my dream. This is what I'm going to do. And we go out and spend gobs of money, get totally invested in it. And we haven't even done like the first level thing. It's like people that join these high expensive gyms, get all the outfits, get all the clothes, and they've never woken up a day in their life at 5 a.m. It's like, <laughs> why don't you practice getting up at 5 a.m., getting your tennis shoes on, walking around the block, coming home before we make all of these big changes? Yeah, I, uh, I completely get that. Um, and I said, it's just, it's just something that is brought to mind a lot when you have children. But it's something that we do to ourselves all the time. Like, I think we want to do this, get into something. And one of the things that I have started doing in that vein of setting goals and then doing things is giving myself permission to try things with the idea that, you know, I'm going to give myself 90 days and I'm going to put everything I have into it. And if I don't like it, I can stop and change direction, right? As just a, uh, like a, a, a mental game I play with myself of, of um, you know, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something. I'm going to change something in my business. I'm going to change something in my life. I'm just going to try it. I'm going to go for it. Um, but I have to give myself at least 90 days, right? Because I, you know, do only give myself a week, then I haven't really done anything. And if I try to, you know, I'm going to do it for a year, I'm already scared of the commitment. I never do anything. So my own, you know, my own little thing is like, I'm going to try it out for 90 days and see how it goes as a, you know, sort of like a mental hack to deal with that exact problem that most adults have. I think and we need to, there's sort of a balance because going my son, I'll, he'll sign up for something I'm saying. And before we sign the paper, I'm like, okay, this runs until November, or this is a year long thing. Before I say yes, you realize that no matter how you feel in 30 days, you're going to still be doing it. Mm -hmm. And the first couple of times he didn't understand that. Now he's much more cautious about bringing home permission slips for me to sign up. But on the same time, I'll tell him, it's like, well, what is something like this we could do that isn't the full-on commitment? Like, we'll just get our toes wet. And then I'll tell coaching clients that are going through that same sort of process, I'll like, so have you done this in the past? Or have you done something similar or attempted something? Or is there an unopened box on the floor of your office when you bought this product system tool before that you still haven't in, used the time to... And if they're like, yeah, I'm like, so why didn't it work out? And often it's like, well, I just didn't have the time. I'm like, well, we know that's a lie because if it was that passionate, you would have made the time. Mm -hmm. And as you start to unpack it, it's like, okay, before we go out, and I'm sometimes a very practical, like before we go out and do the next big thing, let's go back and visit the last big thing we made a commitment to and figure out why we didn't follow through. And if you can truly say, you know what, after 90 days, my vocal coach said, never sing. And so this idea of recording a record probably wasn't practical. Then I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. If you just lose interest in it, then we need to talk. Yeah, it's uh, um, one of the things that I think works really well in that space is, um, is knowing like how much time it's going to take to to really know a thing, right? Do a thing. So like my, my family and I, we travel full time, right? We're in an RV and we've been traveling the country. And um, for, for us, 
we were like, what we're going to do is we're going to move into the RV, sell all our stuff. And we're going to do it for six months. All right, six <laughs> months was our, was our, uh, our first little, like, we're going to try it. And like at the end of six months, we can rent another house, buy furniture again, do the thing. And if we don't like it, we won't. We figured that was enough time to get through what I call the honeymoon phase, right? Where you're like, everything's new and interesting and different and get to the point where you have some problems and you have to deal with the problems. Um, and see if you still like it after the problems because whatever the grass is never greener right doesn't matter what you're doing it's never greener over there it there's they always come with problems stuff like that so like we did that um, and the other the other part of that is something that I tell my son all the time and it said mastery begets passion um, meaning that sometimes you just have to eat dirt until you get good at something right because um, the better you get at something, the more your passion grows for that thing. Uh, yes. And I've, you know, I've been able to demonstrate that to my son a couple of times, but it's something that's really hard for adults to grasp. Um, I've noticed in, you know, just in myself and working with people is that we think, and I think it's just because it's messaging in the market all the time, that you start with passion and then you use your passion to create mastery. Um, and that's backwards. I think you, sometimes you have to, um, you, you master something and that creates passion. Very much. And so I had a guest la last week on my live show. She did the similar, they took a year off, sold out everything, jumped on, we called it, I teased her and called it the bus, but it was a, a mobile home, whatever you want to call it, an RV with two teenagers. And she did about a year, a little bit over a year, um, and I said, the lessons you've learned about communication, about flexibility, about stuff versus time, all of that. And I mean, I just, I applaud her. We did similar by going to Uruguay for three years. But when you have to go through the hard thing in front of your kids, they start realizing that life isn't easy. Because sometimes as parents, we do look like superheroes. We seem to know everything. We can do everything. There's no learning curve for us on how to build a Lego. We just read it and do it. All of that seems like superhero to our kids that when they can see us fumbling with how to back up the RV to get it in the spot and making mistakes, they're like, oh, I can now feel safe to make mistakes. Yeah. And my dad still seems to really love what he's doing, even though it's filled with mistakes. Now I get what he means by mastery equals passion. Yeah. And, you know, my, just in that vein, over the last couple of years, my son has seen me learn how to back up an RV, right? Just like you said. <laughs> I've gotten really good at it. Um, he's, you know, we, we renovated the first coach we had all the way from floor to ceiling. So he's seen me learn and rip apart everything and learn things like, you know, carpentry and electrical stuff and like, pulling up electrical grids and figuring it out. And he's like, you don't know how to do this. I'm like, not yet, <laughs> but I'm going to learn it. Um, right. So it's been a, it's been a really interesting experience that way, but just being able to, um, you know, be willing to be bad at things in order to get good at them. Uh, um, I think and that's, I think that's the biggest we, mistake we sometimes make as entrepreneurs is that we can't be bad at something because what would our customers think? What would our clients think? What would our team think? What would our investors think if they saw us fall down? And so they limit their risk 
and they limit their exposure. And so suddenly it's like, okay, I've got to be small to be safe, to stay where I'm at so nobody finds out. And it's like, and you wonder why your business is dying. When was the last time you took a big, bold risk and fell flat on your face? Mm -hmm. That is absolutely probably one of the most important lessons I've learned in my business is learning how to, uh, learning how to take managed risks, risks, right? Um, everything from, you know, biting the bullet to hire an employee and, you know, testing new things for marketing stuff and other things. And I'm like, I, I've gotten in the habit now of, um, I'll tell clients ahead of time, but they'll like say, hey, can we do something like this? And I'll be like, I don't know how to do that, but I'm happy to learn with you if you want, right? And, and approach things that way. Um, and it's funny because a lot of clients will be like, I appreciate that. Yeah, let's go. It's like, I don't want your expertise. I want to learn to, you know, build this net myself so I can fish. Mm -hmm. But I also want your feedback and your input because you've probably seen var variations and a lot of different ways. So bring your expertise and we'll see what we can do together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a really cool way to, uh, to expand your skill set and you know and and work on mastery right and one of the things that uh um you know when it comes to mastery one of the things that i've been working on in my life is the thing that i want to master is i want to master the skill of learning new things right? um, <laughs> i like and, that <laughs> um and and sometimes it's it i don't know the i think because that that's like one of the hardest things to do is is to be bad at things and be okay with it right and to learn how to progress um, and so it's like a constant state. I like to, I like to have myself in, at least in the one area, right? Sometimes it's just, you know, I'm learning the piano with my son and I, I suck at piano, um, but, <laughs> but I'm working on it, right? Just cause I'm trying to exercise that muscle. See, and I like that. I, I sort of play along the same lines with like, um, I don't care who cares. Like, I don't care. And that doesn't mean I'm complacent and I don't try hard. It's like, I really don't, when I say I don't care about your opinion, I don't care about your opinion, but I value your feedback. Because if your feedback is around the idea of, I see you making this effort and trying to do this thing, let me give you some encouragement, some advice, some, some skill benefit, then I'm all in. I'm like, I'll sit down and be a student for anything. But if somebody just calls and like, you suck, I'm like, okay, I don't care. Because the only thing you got going on today is telling me I suck. I've got like all of this other stuff I'm learning. So have a nice day. Absolutely. Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. Simply text the word ALCHEMY, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, to 444-999, and I'll send you all the details. The music is by Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. And now, back to the show. So let's move on a little bit and talk about some of your own personal heroes, right? So Frodo had Gandalf, 
Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? Wow. I mean, there's always the cliche, um, and I think it's a cliche because it's often true by many people, is like my mother was somebody that I saw with very little. She had the high school education, ended up with three kids, no job, no nothing and she had to figure it out and at the end of her life she was very successful and had accomplished a lot and so i always look at her like okay and i'll sometimes say okay I'm, my mom's name was jane and i'm like i'm pulling out the gene like i need to find i need she's in my dna so i know i can do it um and then i'll often look at my daughter who has a disability and that she walks through life constantly laughing and giggling and she loves everybody and she'll just walk up and pat you on the head and say, I like you and move on. Um, and then some of the more, I guess, accessible to others is I love Adam Braun's book, Promise of a Pencil. The way he talks about language and building a business and the entrepreneur journey that he was on, I really connect with. Um, I, I mean, if you could see my bookshelf, I read on an average... I think I checked it last month and it was probably about 500 pages a day, maybe more. Um, wow. I've really become just a consumer in which I have to be because I also work with thought leaders on editing and building content for their books. And so maybe of that 500, 200 of it was work related, working on a book with a client. Um, and then by reading other like-minded people, I can sort of see what the trends are. So to say a particular author, eh, you know, it's all been changing. But what I have started doing is if I find an author, I'll not just read one, but I'll read like four or five of their books so that I really absorb their whole thinking, their whole philosophy, their whole ideas. Um, yeah, unless you pick it apart a little bit and really understand where they're coming from. Yeah, and I, and I have a cool little tool. It's one of my my favorites it's um it's called a scan marker um and so after i've highlighted a book i go back through and i take this and it pulls out all the highlights and it goes right. into a word document and then i just shove it in the inside of the cover of the book so that if i'm like i know it was in that book then i can just like read my cliff i create my own cliff notes of books often <laughs> that's kind of genius good idea <laughs> It's kind of obsessive compulsive too. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the way some of us are. We're a bit of, we all have our obsessive compulsive things. Um, so last question, basically, let's bring it home for our listeners. We talk about your guiding principles. What are the top one or two things that you do on a daily basis that you think contribute to the success and influence you enjoy today? Maybe something you wish you knew when you first started out. Ah. <sighs> I'm always told by people that I'm either very disciplined or very consistent, which I think is kind of the same thing. And I don't see it because it's part of my routine, um, which I guess is why it's consistent. But what I've realized is consistency or the compound effect, as um, it's often called, is only visible in the rear view mirror. And so if you're starting out and saying, well, I'm going to do this for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, I'm going to be so consistent. This is going to happen. 
It doesn't work that way. You just got to wake up every morning and say, I'm going to do this because this is my passion. This is my purpose. This is what I believe. This is who I am. It's part of my value system as a business owner, as an individual. So I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to worry about if I'm going to do it for seven, 30, a hundred, a thousand days. It's just who I want to become. So I'm going to start becoming that person now. And so I think consistency or that once, and then the other thing is like, when I make a commitment, I used to think that was just like, ah, make it a commitment to it. But then I started to bring that sort of, as you had alluded to in a biblical divine sense, that a commitment is a covenant in a way. And so before I make that commitment, I better understand the full cost because I myself from a commitment only the other person can or the other per, you know party can and so having those commitments and that um, discipline or consistency is what will grow your business much faster than a slick logo or the right you know tagline or a pretty website if you show up and do average every single day for a thousand days, you will beat out the guy who spends a thousand dollars one day trying to boost his Facebook popularity. Yeah, and I think you hit on something really, really key there. The uh, the idea that I'm going to do something not because it's something I'm you know I'm going to do it for thirty days or sixty days or ninety days. I'm going to do that because that's who I want to be. Right? You are. Um, you know, again, going back to the kids, something I tell my kids all the time is you are what you do, not what you say or what you think. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, you know, to, to take that argument ad absurdum, right. If you think about killing someone every day and you never do in the workplace, cause they really irritate you, you are not a murderer, right. You have to actually kill someone to be a murderer. But, but yeah. I could argue the other side and say, because you walk into that, you've killed the possibility of their growth, your friendship, team dynamics, yeah. changing the attitude. You've like, they might as well be dead because you, you no longer see value and worth in trying to invest in them in that relationship. Absolutely. But the, uh, the, um, the idea is that you, you can manipulate who you are mm -hmm. by taking specific actions. And the more you act in a certain way, the more you become that type of person, right? So to your point, you're like, I don't even see the commitment and consistency, right? Because it's just part of who you are. It's something that you just do all the time. Um, and it's a, it's a lesson I try to get across to my son, particularly. Uh, he's like, I want to get good at this thing. I'm like, then you just need to do it like over and over and over and over and over again, right? Like it's part of who you are. Um, and eventually you'll get good at it, um, right? And I think um, it's, it's a really interesting discussion, at least, because we think you can, um, like you can't change who you are, but you can because who you are is defined by your actions and you control your actions. And I, I couldn't agree more. So my daughter will often do something like all kids do. And I'll catch her and she'll go, sorry. And it's almost like a song. And I look at her and I'm like, I don't want to hear sorry. I mean, I know that's kind of what you're trying to say, but I would rather see you change your behavior. And so I'm always telling her like, thank you for the sorry. But next time I tell you to do X, Y, Z, do it. <laughs> like, like just show me that you learn the lesson by changing your behavior. And I think the same is true for us as adults. 
we go out and we try and create all this marketing and this branding and this logo, and we try and create this whole image, and yet nothing internally in us has changed or our actions or the things that we do on a daily level. And we're suddenly like, why is this not working? It's because that over there is doing all of that external stuff. That's fine. It's you're not showing up at 100%. You're not showing up committed to the things that you said you were going to do. And you're not doing it enough for people and or the universe to respond with trust. And so that's where you're stuck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so you got to start, start changing your actions. So that leads me, last question, something we do on the show every time, and we talk about this ahead of time. It's, I call this the hero challenge. And it's, do you have someone in your life who you think has a great entrepreneurial story that should come on the show and share their story? Who are they? And why do you think they should come share? Well, I think it's ironic in part because we did talk about it. So Sebastian Richards is an author um, and a business builder um, that wrote a book called Lead Like a Superhero, What Pop Culture Icons Can Teach Us About Impactful Leadership. And I love his book. And yeah, this one has a cliff note version all over it too. Um, he takes each of like the most common superheroes. And there's a couple of the women one. So if people think it's a guy thing. Um, from Aquaman to the Professor to Superman, Captain America, Wonder Woman, the Wolverine, and the Oracle. And he talks about their leadership style and how that leadership style was used to ultimately create their outcome, but also how they came in to their superhero powerness um, and how that affected their ability to lead. And so I, I, I love the book. Um, and it's a fun little read because you get to decide if you're Superman or Wolverine or Captain America. <laughs> it seems like a perfect fit for our show. It is, because you think of the Hulk, you know, like, does he really have leadership styles? Well, sometimes he's the aggressive big green Hulk, but sometimes he's the doctor side. That, that Jekyll and Hyde we've all seen in an office setting. Absolutely. So at this point, thank you so much for coming on the show, Eric. What I want to do is find out where people can find you. And more importantly, who are the ideal type of clients to reach out if they want to work with you? Um, so I am all things at Eric E-R-I-C-G-R-E-I-D. So Eric G. Reed. So for LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you can pretty much find me through that or the website, ericgreed.com. Um, so just search me down that way. Um, and then I do a Facebook Live every morning, which started as a 10-day challenge, which is now over 2,000 days in a wow. row. I've, I, every morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. Now I'm going to go ahead and put the disclaimer. There's probably about 20 missed days a year between either not at 8 o'clock or it's just a ridiculous holiday and nobody gets up at Christmas morning to listen to me at 8 a.m. So we just skip it. Um, so every morning on Facebook, and that's the Eric G. Reed again. And then the client that I love working with is that person that, that is like, I know there's more in my life. I know that I've tried it and failed, or I've tried it and haven't quite got the momentum, or I feel like I'm stuck personally or professionally. I need somebody to bring in that catalyst energy. I need somebody to bring in that critical eye and then hold me to what we agree to 
long enough for me to begin to see the success of it so that I can begin to see that in my life and in the lives of others. Absolutely. So um, if you are watching the show and that sounds like it describes you, make sure you take the time to reach out. It's ericgreed.com and that's R-E-I-D, um, Eric G. Reed, and you can reach out to him. And I would, uh, you know, if you like the way he thinks, hop on his show, Facebook Live every morning. Um, I, I, have a, I have a couple of shows that I watch like that. Uh, um, coffee with Scott Adams and a couple others that they get up every morning and just share coffee with their audience and talk through things. So it sounds like fun. I know. And it, it's funny because in this event, when I started, I was like, I've only got to do it for 10 days. And then it became 30 and then it became 100. But it's raised my commitment to what I do every day because I have to come up with the content. I have to be available. I have to plan my schedule. I mean, and it sounds like a little thing. It's only 15 minutes. But when you take one small thing and you insert it into your life and say, I'm committed to doing this for the rest of my life, everything else around your life has to begin to shift to hold that space. Yeah, absolutely. And your calendar becomes important. Yes, <laughs> very quickly. Cool. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Eric. Really appreciate it. Had a fun time discussing with you. Have any final thoughts for our audience? No, I appreciate it. And I love what you're doing with your family, that, that getting close and getting connected. Good for you. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming on the show.